there's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. If fool me, you can't get fooled again. even know whether or not to even be angry anymore. What do you think, Brian? No, not a, not even close. Welcome to the Wrestling Outsiders podcast. I'm your host, Emerson Whitner. On the other end of the line is my co-host, my brother, the only person I know that I don't know what even to say next. Brian Whitner. Brian, what's going on tonight? Oh, nothing. Same old crap. Different day. You know how it is. Oh, boy. So tonight, you know, we have a big show planned tonight. We're Huge. We're going to talk about Clash of the Champions. We're gonna, I'm going to talk about the final ever episode of Tough Enough. And Brian, you know what else... I got a state of the podcast address that uh, I wrote earlier today before uh, Blog Talk Radio had yet more issues this evening. Of course. Um, I just want to read this from on the uh, main page of Blog Talk Radio. Uh, We are seeing problems with one of our recording servers which may interrupt some shows. Our engineering and product teams are investigating. We apologize and will send updates as we have them. This this is the second time since Sunday, and it's the third time these errors have interrupted our show in the past few months. In addition, the past two weeks, seemingly every time I come onto the website... The website is down for one reason or another. Yeah. So that uh, led to um, some discussions. And by some discussions, I mean I figured out what to do and told Brian what we're doing. Of course. 
Oh, and also tonight, Brian's going to give us his thoughts on SummerSlam and TakeOver and all that shit. But first, some other stuff to get out of the way. Now, Brian, I want you to, you know, keep your app shut for the next two minutes. I've got a whole big thing written out I want to read. All right. All right. <clears throat> I take the dog out, so yeah. Oh, great! Oh, great. So you're gonna take the dog out instead of you know listening to my soliloquy. I am listening. I am listening at the same time. Go. Oh, this should be good. <clears throat> All right. I take this podcast very seriously, perhaps more serious than I even should. So when things don't work out the way they should, especially when there's nothing I can do about it, I get really pissed off. Saturday night at 11.30, I did the NXT TakeOver post-show, as a lot of people heard, and it went very well. Now, it takes Blog Talk Radio two days to update the stats for the number of listeners, etc. So, I didn't find out uh, how well TakeOver did until Monday. So, in the meantime, after Saturday, I had a show Sunday night, after SummerSlam. Sunday night at 10.30, I go on to Blog Talk Radio to get ready for the show when the website was down. As I mentioned, this has happened several times in the past week, and when I've, when I've tried to log on to do other stuff, but it pissed me off more because it was so close to the start of the show. So I kept refreshing the page, and nothing. It's still down. Then Brock Lesnar made Undertaker tap, and the site still wasn't working. And then Undertaker beat Brock, and the site still wasn't working. Ten minutes to eleven, the site still not working, and Brian texts me to tell me he can only do 30 minutes, which did not help my attitude in the least. Five minutes to eleven, refresh the page, site still isn't working. And I had to sit here and fume and watch the clock tick down and watch eleven o'clock pass while Blog Talk Radio was still not working. So now I'm pissed. Brian couldn't do the entire damn show. I don't even have my goddamn web host, and I still have to record a show for Angry Marks anyway that night. So finally, around 11.10, I gave up, took a few deep breaths, (sighs) drank some iced tea, and recorded the show That later got heard on both AngryMarks.com late Sunday night and has been up on Blog Talk Radio since Monday morning. The show that you've all listened to. So I and then I went to bed at 1.30 and Blog Talk Radio still wasn't back up. But you know something? I was back into a nice, calm, peaceful way. Then Monday morning happened. Monday I log on and see Blog Talk Radio is working again. Hooray! So like I said, I went and uploaded the SummerSlam show. And while I was there, I checked out the stats for Saturday night. The live NXT TakeOver podcast that aired from 11.30pm Eastern Time to 12.30am Eastern Time. And it had three times more listeners than any other show we've done. Three times the number of people who've listened to the show as it was happening. Like, not later on when the show was long past, they've listened to it. No. This was triple the number we did inexplicably for Battleground. That still scratched my head. By the way, thank you to everyone who has been listening to our shows. I greatly appreciate it, and Brian greatly appreciates it. 
as we sit here right now, the, the NXT TakeOver show we did Saturday between the live listeners and the on-demand listeners is already the fifth most listened to show we've ever done. And while that was great news and should make me really happy, it pissed me off even more. Because knowing how good we did for TakeOver, that at the very least, at the very least, we should have done the same numbers for SummerSlam, if not better. And that's when I realized a change had to be made. So Brian and I are making a change. After 82 episodes in the last 16 months and 15 days since May 11th, 2014, this is the end for us on Blog Talk Radio. Tonight's the last episode on BTR. Starting next week, we will air exclusively on TalkShoe.com. T-A-L-K-S-H-O-E dot com. So we invite everybody to listen to us over there, and as we bring the same level of wackiness and craziness over to TalkShoe. So, Brian, I'm going to ask you now to unmute yourself and bring you back on. And what what do you have to say? First, I'd like to apologize to make you even more pissed on Sunday. Well, I, I hope that. Just, I'll survive. I, I, you have for the last 29 years, 29 years. So, yes, I hope you can survive. Second of all, uh, I did not quite understand. I did not quite know all the stuff that was going on that day. So I too was very pissed off. Like as expected, it it, it was just That's- purely amazing just how badly it went. Death. Like I love our listeners, and I love to let them all listen to my maniacal ramblings. And I love to let them listen to your crap. And it's like, of course, if we don't have our podcast, our our web host, we can't let people listen to our crap. Exactly, exactly. And for Blog Talk Radio, um, yeah, I mean, nice knowing you. Hopefully, Talk Shoe isn't as expensive as Blog Talk Radio was. I don't know how much money you spend on a month for this. And that would be, make me piss off my pick, but you pay every single month for it. So I'm hoping that uh, shoe is cheaper, I'm assuming, yes. Yes. Same amount. It's cheaper. So, yeah. Now, also, uh, the Blog Talk Radio account, at least for the time being, is still going to be there. And the entire... Oh. The entire archive of shows is still going to be on Blog Talk Radio, at least the first 82 episodes and counting. Like, we're not going to put future episodes up on there. However, we are in the process of putting the entire archive of shows over on TalkShoe.com. And what you have to do, now it's a little, it's slightly more difficult than it was to get to Blog Talk Radio. You go to TalkShoe.com. And and trust me, folks, Brian can do this. So if Brian can do it, I'm positive you people can do it out there. Go to TalkShoe.com, and up in the corner you'll see a search button. And you do a search for Wrestling Outsiders. 
We're the only Wrestling Outsiders podcast on TalkShoe. Thank God. And it takes you right to us. I'm going to go there right now to make sure there's no problems as I'm describing this to everyone. TalkShoe.com. It's, uh, let's go there. Come on, websites. When the website eventually pulls... I'm there. Yes. And did you do the search for Wrestling Outsiders? I did. And did it pull right up? Yes, it did. Yes. It's under a keyword or call ID. What you'll do is type in Wrestling Outsiders, click the handy-dandy search button, and see what pops up here. Talk shoot. First uh, thing pulls up right there. Pulls up Wrestling Outsiders podcast. Uh, uh, underneath it's Wrestling with Wrestling and Logan's Run Live. But no, Wrestling Outsiders podcast. A fun, crazy 90-minute weekly podcast complete with our old Blog Talk Radio logo. That's going to change a little bit. Plus, if you go there right now, you see what our next episode is. Bash of the Beach 2000, next Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And right now I've got... I apologize Right now I've got 32 episodes up there because Podzilla, I need to break up. I'm going to break up Podzilla into three separate parts for the three separate interviews. But uh, right now, 32 episodes from episode 1 to episode 33, the Bulldog James Dillon interview... Go up there, listen to some old stuff by us, and have some fun, and get ready for next week. Yeah. And now that we're in a little happier mood, I and speaking, well, I guess not really speaking of Podzilla, but speaking of old episodes, congrats to the uh, friend of uh, Blog Talk... Congrats to a friend of the podcast, Brian Alvarez... Expecting his first child on February 27th. Personally, I've got my fingers crossed, hoping for a leap year baby. You know? <laughs> his wife only has to miss it by two days. boy, Brian. Keep up the good work, buddy. <sighs> my roommate thinks Brian sounds like Gary Shandling. Huh, so a, a little, it took us a little longer to get uh, past the uh, opening that we normally do, but uh, hey, we we always do 10, 15 minutes of total crap before the actual show starts, right? Yeah, usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So Clash of the Champion. oh by the way, I guess before we get to Clash 25, did you watch TakeOver and SummerSlam? I watched SummerSlam, I didn't get a chance to watch TakeOver though. So the, you didn't see the best... WWE match of the weekend. No, probably not. You didn't see Sasha versus Bailey. Well, you no, need... but I've heard great things about it. So I need to you... go back and watch it. See, I'm having issues with my phone right now, especially with the network, because it, it keeps stopping every five seconds to buffer. Yep. And it stops every five seconds to buffer. Yep. Yeah. I'll be it honest. I had no problems with TakeOver at all, but uh, SummerSlam was a pain in the ass. Yeah, well, still pissing me off, so, yeah. Uh, but what'd you think of SummerSlam? I thought it was very good. I, I, I did not have many complaints. I, they, they, I think they spread it out kind of nicely in the four hours that they had. But the, obviously, the, the best part of the night was the Undertaker's demonic laugh. <laughs> As uh, everyone on the internet taking fun of it and replacing it, placing it in various places. 
when, oh, when Brock Lesnar yeah. did when Brock Lesnar did the sit up and laugh, and Undertaker did the sit up and stared at him, and he just <laughs> and Brock kept yeah. laughing. Yeah, yeah, that look. It's very demonic laugh, but I, I felt very, yeah, it's a quote you on Facebook, how the hell does the uh, bell, uh... The timekeeper. Timekeeper, thank you very much. The Undertaker tap out when he had no clear vision, visual of Oh, yeah. Him. Like, that's the thing, like, and somehow I'm the only person that's brought this up. There's yeah. no, There was nothing on the Titan Tron, and... No, no. And Undertaker was tapping on the other side of where the time can see. In theory, if he could see the tap, so could Charles Robinson. However, as Brock Lesnar came out and they said, no one has been able to make Brock Lesnar submit or pin him in 15 or so odd months, he knew the Undertaker was going to win this match. In two and a half years, since WrestleMania 29 against Hunter. Yes. Notice... You always go to the bad WrestleManias. I, I'm sorry, it certainly wasn't bad. Okay, well that, that's the exception of the rule, but you know the <laughs> the two I've been to without you were fantastic. And, and the one and the, the one that guy I've been to, John Cena won, so we can play him for John Cena. Well, to be fair, Cena is on a three match WrestleMania winning streak. Yeah, no. Yep, still blame guy. So, Clash of the Champions 25, Brian. 25. Good old silver. The, well, I don't, not really the silver anniversary since they just started doing them five years earlier, but still. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out why they scheduled a Clash of the Champions. Let, let me tell you why. They had Halloween Havoc on October 24th. And they had Battle Bowl on pay-per-view November 20th. And this Clash of the Champions was sandwiched in between the two on November 10th. Not only that, but WWF had Survivor Series on the 24th. Uh, For historical purposes, the first Ultimate Fighting Championship show was like two days later. And the Saturday before was the uh, first Evander Holyfield-Riddick Bow fight... With the guy flying in, parasailing into the arena. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, happens. Yes. There were just way too many shows that, in such a short period of time for WCW. True story. But you know something important, Brian? Did you call the WCW hotline at 1-900-909-9900 for only... I really want to talk to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. But uh, I couldn't get through for some reason. But you could vote for manager of the year, and you know the options. Yeah. The options were three heels and Teddy Long, and guess who won? Teddy Long fighting for the rights of the black man. I don't even remember. Like all it. I don't even remember him managing at all in 1993 until the very end when he was managing. Yeah. Um, who was Bagwell's partner at the time? I don't think it was the Patriot yet, was it? No, I forget. Who, who do you see with a third kid that year? Scorpio, that's who I'm, I was trying to remember. Two Cold Scorpio. Yes. And so, yeah, his team, his managing those two for like two months was enough to win Manager of the Year over Harley Race, who managed the world champion, who, by the way, 
was world champion the entire calendar year except for six days in March, over Missy Hyatt, who managed the tag team champions, and over Sir William, who managed the television champion. Teddy Long won. I'm sure he wanted that that landslide. Yes. And now this show was two hours with commercials and 90 minutes without. And then there were seven matches. So, needless to say, this show was rushed just a tad. A tad? Yeah. Considering the longest match went roughly 11 minutes. Yeah, it was 12 minutes. But yeah, TakeOver... Uh, to keep bringing that up, it went two and a half hours and had only six matches on it. Mm-hmm. And none of them were well, rough. that's also 22 years later, so go figure. <laughs> only 22 years later. Speaking of TakeOver, they're doing another TakeOver show in six weeks already. On Octo- oh, nice. Yeah, October 3. No, not October 3. Yeah. Um, like, that weekend there's... Like, the Brock Lesnar and Madison Square Garden shows on Saturday. TNA Bound for Glory is on Sunday. And then either the Wednesday before or the Wednesday after is TakeOver. October is a very busy week for you. First of October, dear brother. It's actually October 2nd. Is uh, take actually not October second, October seventh is takeover. So the third like is a little punchline to it, like NXT takeover Brooklyn. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. Yeah. Um, but uh, first up over at Clash of the Champions twenty five, the prestigious WCW International World Title match, Ravishing Rick Rude versus Road Warrior Hawk and Brian. This match sucked. You think? <laughs> Dave Sullivan is in the next match, and this match was worse than the match with Dave Sullivan in it. You think? Yes. Road Warrior Hawk... You sure? Yeah. Road Warrior Hawk had a busted-up knee, but for some reason they still decided to have him wrestle, and so he couldn't do anything, and Rick Rude wasn't in the mood to do anything so like they did nothing nothing yeah that's all right remember um oh what was that match we were talking about that like four things happened oh um oh my god bobby eaton versus nikita koloff a few weeks ago there's a 15 minute time limit draw and in 15 minutes four things happened you're right i do remember this I don't think four things happened in this match. And mind you, it only went, it only went like five or six minutes for a world title match. Perhaps the worst world title match in history up to this point, if you consider it a world title. Um, After several minutes of crap, they literally just went outside and started slowly brawling. And it was a double count out. God. Yes, thankfully we could not get a finish in this match, Brian. It was, it's too important. I'm very sad and disappointed about that. Speaking of things I was sad and disappointed for, after that match, it was the Equalizer versus the Shockmaster. Can we skip this one? 
<laughs> Dave Sullivan versus Typhoon. This match really happened. Poor Fred Ottman. Poor Fred, yes. This is this is a classic famous after he fell through a wall. This the the entire like he walked to the ring, and I think it took him longer to walk to the ring than the match happened, but he walked to the ring and Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura were afraid that he was gonna trip and fall off the ramp. Poor guy. Now, I've actually got a question for you, Brian. Let let's pretend going back to the Clash of the Champions where Shockmaster debuted. Let's pretend Shockmaster came through the wall, didn't fall flat on his face, and it went as it was supposed to go. At the end of the day, it was still Typhoon in a bedazzled stormtrooper helmet. Yeah. How could that have been much better? Complete with Ole Anderson. Complete with Ole Anderson using the uh, Black Scorpion voice box. Mm, yeah. This match sucked and sucked bad. The announcers were so ex- yeah. The announcers were so excited that they were talking about Battle Bowl. Some yeah. for some reason, the fans got excited about a boot to the face. Maybe it's because yeah. they. Maybe it's because it was the first thing to happen on the entire show. Tony Schiavone said these two would make great uh, odds-on favorites to win Battle Bowl. Oh, God. Uh, How that man lasted until the end of WCW, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm just, you know, uh, we're never watching Battle Bowl 93. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Battle Royal, the end of the Battle Royal was pretty good, but everything leading up to that really, really nope. sucked. Um, but speaking of things that really sucked, Shockmaster did win. He, he picked him up for a bear hug, and I think the, I think it was supposed to look like he tripped and fell, but still slammed the equalizer down to pin him, but it just looked like he picked him up for a bear hug and slammed him to the ground, but. Yeah, he didn't slam him to the ground, but he just, like, fell on his knees, and, yeah. Yeah. So Shockmaster wins. Clusterfuck, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I I think then he goes to Starcade to fight Awesome Kong. Now, we, Awesome Kong. I'm not talking about you know big black woman you from know. Impact. Yeah. I'm talking about no, no, these two four hundred pound men in that were in WCW for like a cup of coffee, and the key to that match was Shockmaster screwed up. Because he, he pinned the wrong person in the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> this this whole show, you know, I know WCW taped things well in advance. They taped their TV shows months and months in advance. And it got yeah. hilarious. Uh, and I'll explain at the very end what happened. But Colonel Parker announced that he drops Sid Vicious as a client and signs Steve Austin. Uh, and Parker noted that he has a restraining order against Sid, so Sid is unable to show up. And then Mean Gene implied that Sid was in the restroom earlier. Now, Brian, do you know the problem with that? No. What is the problem with that? 
even though they had still had like weeks of television with Sid tape to air, this was yeah. after the famous brawl where Sid stabbed Arn Anderson with his scissors. Go mm. figure. Yes. And I'll I'll get to I'll bring it full circle at the end of Clash of the of Clash twenty five. Because next we got one of the 86 times in the 12 months between October 1983 and October 1984 that Lord Steven Regal and Johnny B. Bad wrestled for the TV title. Yeah, I feel like you say it pretty often. Not no idea. These two, I think, must have wrestled eight, like 86, 87, 88 times. Um, this match was short and inoffensive. So that made it the best match so far on the show. Easily the best match on the show. Up to this point. Yeah. Um, the finish saw Johnny B. Bad KO Steven, but Sir William put Steven Regal's foot on the rope, and then uh, Johnny B. Bad was started celebrating, and Regal won with a schoolboy and a handful of tights. Since most of their matches went to the 15-minute time limit draw. This is probably, like, Regal's only win over Johnny B. Bad. That's probably a good thing. Stunning Steve Austin versus Flying Brian Pillman. Mm. One of life's great mysteries remains why they broke up the Hollywood Blondes. Yes. For eight months. And it's amazing. They were only teammates for eight months. But in that eight months, they were easily one of the best teams in the world at the time. And, man, did they bury Brian Pillman on this one. They had had seven matches on the show, which we noted, seven matches in two hours. So things were a little rushed. But despite that, Brian Pillman was the only person who didn't get a televised entrance. He was already in the ring when they came back from commercial, and Stunning Steve is sauntering out. Uh, this match, you know, got uh, a decent reaction, i got to say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a good little match here. Uh, Pillman at one point got thrown off the ramp and sent him throat first across the guardrail. All I could think is that he must have been you know that must be an injury angle to get him to do one of his another one of his throat surgeries, um, but you know the match went for another five minutes after that. The fans were pretty much dead at one point after being into it at the start, and honestly, the fans were dead for most of the show. I don't know how many of them actually paid to be there, but I bet not, many. not many. Yeah, uh, the finish was real wonky. Austin went for the stun gun, but Pillman blocked. Wah, wah, wah. Austin went for the stun gun, but Pillman blocked it. Uh, Austin grabbed the ref as Pillman went for a springboard water maneuver, but Parker grabbed Pillman's ankle, and Pillman then fell on top of his freaking head. And... No, and Austin pinned him. (laughs) You know, all I gotta say is at least the matches were getting better at this point, right? Yes, slowly but surely. Not sure what the point was, but next we got a Battle Bowl control center. 
The entire show are random draw tag team matches. So it's not even like Mean Gene could stand there and announce, oh, look at these great matches just signed. No. He literally just was there to do like a two-minute plug for Battle Bowl. And to make it better, this must have been what they aired on like Saturday night or whatever during the prior weekend. Because during the control center, they talked about how a lot of these people in Battle Bowl would meet up this Wednesday night at the Clash of the Champions. They couldn't even do a new control center. Of course not, Emerson. It's WCW in 93. Cost money. Like, come on. WWF, you know, if you watch a WWF show building up to a pay-per-view and they had three pay-per-view control centers, it would be Todd Pettengill doing three completely different control centers talking about the same show with the same matches. We then got the longest match on the show, sadly. Dustin Rhodes versus Paul Orndorff for the U.S. title. The whole match was built around Dustin having his father, Dusty Rhodes, in his corner, while Paul Orndorff had Assassin number one in his corner. And I think I think Assassin one ate Dusty Rhodes because, damn, did he look big. Yes. Like I said, this was the longest match of the show at 12 minutes. Um, and the crowd didn't give two shits about anything but the older guys. Nope. Um, Rhodes eventually won with a small package. Post-match saw Orndorff attack Dustin and close on him out of the ring. Uh, Assassin threw Dustin into the post. So Dusty waddled around the ring and elbowed him in the head a few times. Uh, they got into the ring, and he tried to yank Assassin's mask off, but Orndorff hit him in the head with electrical tape. And that, that's the greatest offensive weapon ever, electrical tape. Hey, John Cena used it to win a match. Yes, but John Cena taped Batista's legs together. Paul Orndorff was, no. Orndorf was using it to hit Dusty over the head with it. Um... Assassin hit Dusty with the U.S. title, and then Orndorff tried to give himself a hernia by going for a pile driver, but Dustin decided that Orndorff shouldn't have a hernia, so he made the save. Dustin's a very nice guy like that. Looking out. Yes. Uh, any comments on any of the matches so far, Brian? Other than... No. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about half these matches. This is the... Oh, God. We then got the semi-main event of the evening. Nasty Boys defending the tag team titles against Sting and the British Bulldog. Missy Hyatt's breasts, Brian. Yeah. I don't know what to say about them. I could say a lot. They are very nice to look at. I think they defied the laws of gravity. A little bit. A little bit. Better than Neville. For sure. I think you were, I'm like, better than Neville? What the fuck are you talking about? Neville doesn't have breasts? Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, Neville doesn't have breasts. What a way to go out. I know. <laughs> Going out the bang ever since. 
Yes. Uh, third. Uh, 30 seconds into the match, they're brawling all over God's creation when Rick Rude snuck out and gave British Bulldog the rude awakening on the ramp. Road Warrior Hawk hobbled out and came out to stare at the Bulldog because I don't even know if he could get down on one knee. I don't think he left his feet all night. Um, no. Sting came over to check on Bulldog, and so Hawk told Sting that he would go after Rude. That... that I wish they would have had a camera on that, to be honest. <laughs> that, 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 may... that might have been fun, eh? Yeah. Emerson, it might have been fun, eh? Okay, Forrest Gump, I... Emerson, fun, eh? Lieutenant Dan, ice cream. Ice cream, Lieutenant Dan. What is wrong with you? Whatever happened to that list you're supposed to make for me? <laughs> it's long gone. Really, it's long gone. That implies that it once was here. True story. So this was a two-on-one handicap match. Um, even though Sting, you know, was easily, you know, taking out the Nasty Boys on his own. Uh, Davy Boy dragged himself to the corner, so Sting would just periodically stop beating up the Nasty Boys and go check on him. Um, eventually, not only the, yeah, eventually not only did the Nasty Boys uh, cut off Sting and get the heat, but Davy got the hot tag and was beating up both men by himself. Uh, the finish saw Davy Boy give Knobs the running power slam, but Sags came off with a top rope smash to Smith. And did you watch as Jerry Sags just rolled out of the ring and began walking to the back before the th- before the referee even counted to three? I, I, I did notice that. I was like, really? <laughs> you know, he was so confident. You don't want to be there much longer, but still. He, he was so confident that they'd won. That's like, yeah. he's already removing his tape and gone. He's like, ah, oh, fuck it. I don't need to be here anymore. Now, mind you, the referee counted three. Brian Knobs immediately rolled out of the ring, held the belt up, and they were at, they were to commercial ten seconds after the bell rang. So, you know, Sags at least you know uh, he knew how much time they had, and he wanted to get in at that uh, right at that second. Exactly. That's what he does. He's a winner. Before we got the main event, backstage, Colonel Parker told Ric Flair that Steve Austin was challenging the winner to a world title match, and so Flair punched Colonel Parker in the face. Brian. As I would, too. Brian, uh, how many world title matches did Steve Austin have in WCW? Honestly, none. And this was November of 93, and he didn't get fired till May of 95, so Austin really took his time to formally make that challenge. He did. He, he was like, I gotta do something. Yeah. And I gotta bear. Bear. Yeah, bear. Ironically, you know, unless I'm mistaken, or I don't think I am, Austin's first WWF title match, at least on pay-per-view, uh, was the Final Four match with Bret Hart, Undertaker, and Vader. Yeah, I believe you're right. Yes. So, you know, at, at least they have finished their storyline for them, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, thank God. 
And that led us to the main event. Vader versus Ric Flair for the WCW World Title. Not to be confused with the WCW International World Title, which we saw in the opening match. No, no, no. Of course. And here's this match... At least the start, yeah. This whole match actually was very WCW in a nutshell. They both came out. Michael Buffer did his ring introductions and he charged them $25,000 a show to do. They went to a commercial break, and when they came back from yeah. the commercial break, Ric Flair had Harley Race in the figure four. It happens. We never found out what, ha- what led to this. Just all of a sudden, we'll be back for the start of the match. Oh my god, Harley Race is in the figure four. Like, what? Hey, it if that's not enough, Vader... Yeah, Vader, who was in the ring for the ring introductions, suddenly ran in from the back and splashed Flair to start the match. Where, where the hell did he go? The world may never know. Did he be like, oh crap, I need to take a piss, and he ran away to go take a piss during the first break? (laughs) Oh god. Then, you know, at least they had a hell of a fight. Um, And if you watch this before their much famous Starcade match, it's a good compliment. It's a good, you know, way to, it's an appetizer to the Starcade match. Uh, Vader got the heat because Flair was on fire. He put he got on the figure four on Vader this time, and Vader got the ropes. But when Vader reached out and got the ropes, Harley Race reached in and raked Flair's eyes. So Vader at this point took over. Ric Flair is well known that anytime he goes to the top rope for a move, what happens, Brian? He usually gets transplanted. Yes. Ric Flair came off the top rope like he was Rey Mysterio Jr. <laughs> like, seriously, if you counted the number of times in Ric Flair's career he successfully came off the top rope, more than half of them would have been in this match alone. That's that, folks. Poor Randy Anderson. For some reason, Randy Anderson's refereeing despite having, like, his, for some reason, his arm was taped up. I don't know what was wrong with his arm, but it was all taped up. And so, of course, he's still refereeing. And he's standing there, and he gets clotheslined to the mat. Yeah. And we and we mentioned before that the crowd didn't give a shit about anything. It continued during this match. Has Vader, of all people, delivered a top-rope superplex to Ric Flair... And nobody in the crowd, except for one guy in the fifth row, gave a shit. Like, like one guy in the fifth row row stood up and began applauding, and everyone else just sat there and just like, oh, 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 whatever. (laughs) Then we got this. We got a finish straight out of WCW. Ironically enough. Vader went up top for his moonsault and missed. Rick Rick Flair then pinned him to win the world title, except he didn't. 
Harley Race was supposed to run in and interfere for disqualification, but he missed his cue, so Vader, noticing this, and for some reason just didn't want to kick out, Vader, like, quickly tried to move his foot as quick as he could onto the ropes, which I don't think he got it there in time, but that's, you know, a complaint for another day. The referee, who woke up, crawled over, counted to three, then stood up, rang the bell, and announced that Vader was disqualified. And the, ref- and, the and this was well before Harley was even in the ring, because Harley eventually got in the ring and started going after Flair. But he, uh, Randy Anderson was already on his feet calling for the bell for the DQ, and announced it was because Vader clotheslined him on accident. So if Vader clotheslined him on accident, and that was a disqualification, why did he then crawl over to count Flair for winning the world title? So Flair wins by DQ. After the match, Austin runs down to attack Flair, but Dustin Rhodes and the Shockmaster of all people made the save. Ric Flair got saved by the Shockmaster. Can you repeat that one more time? Ric Flair, 16, well, 21-time world champion, got saved by Fred Ottman, who earlier in the night... The announcers were worried that he was going to trip, fall off the ramp, and kill himself. But they tried to run down the aisle to make space. Yes. And the show went off the air with Flair announcing that this weekend on Saturday night, he would team with Sid to take on Vader and Austin in a tag team match. And the show ended at that point. Now, Brian, you want me to, you want me to bring this full circle? As I mentioned, Sid got fired after this after this match was taped. After he when yeah. he when he stabbed Arn Anderson in the hotel room, I went and looked this match up on YouTube just because I wanted to see you know what how the match was and just see if the announcers were like burying Sid or like something to basically tell the crowd the guy's not going to be here anymore. So I look it up, and you can look this up on YouTube yourself. Sid got attacked before the match and laid out by Vader and Austin. And he was replaced in the tag team main event, which was taped weeks and weeks ago. Do you want to guess who teamed with Ric Flair as a late replacement to take on Vader and Austin? Sting. No, no. I wouldn't bother mentioning it was Sting. Arn Anderson. <laughs> so. I swear I'm not making yeah. this up. Sid yeah. was. Nope. Sid was fired for stabbing Arn Anderson with scissors. And then they error match afterwards. Like I taped before that incident. Where Sid was injured and replaced by Arn Anderson. <sighs> so that was Clash of the Champions. Brian, have anything to say? Thumbs down. Uh, it it was thumbs down. Like it's kind of close to thumbs in the middle, but yeah, it's just thumbs down. Yeah, it's just thumbs down. Yeah. Alright, so I'm gonna take we're gonna take a small break and then come back for tough enough.
as soon as this plays. Shane Mead, Melbourne, Australia. Everyone in the business has a funny Iron Sheik story. Do you have any stories <laughs> about the great man you may not have heard of? Did I, did, I, did I tell when he cussed out the commissioner on the microphone in Louisville? No. About, uh, no. Okay. Back in the early 80s at, at Louisville at the Garza. Wait a minute. Back that up. Hold on a second. Back, back it up. For the Sheik? No, no. But just to, to the last, to the last, to the Sheik question. Because, oh, yeah, well, I want to follow up with the other Sheik. Um... The Iron Sheik was in Memphis. This was 1982, and he was working a program with Lawler and et cetera, et cetera. And I was the fill-in ring announcer when the local radio DJ that usually did it was on vacation. So there was a rule back then because we'd gotten a real strict state athletic commissioner in Kentucky at that time, and, and he wasn't smart to the wrestling business. It was a political appointment. So he did a lot of shit. Like, you know, when, when Jonathan Boyd punched the referee, he fined him for real, and then... Jerry Jarrett had to pay the fine to have Boyd come back next week and lose the lose or leave town match. And he said, well, you can't have a battle royal because the rules state when, when a guy is thrown over the top rope, the match is over. So a 20-man battle royal would have 19 winners and shit like this. He also had a rule, nobody can talk on the ring microphone except for the licensed announcer. Because you got these wrestlers talking on a microphone and they don't have announcer's licenses. So this was one he was really sticking to. So uh, nobody was supposed to talk. Well, Sheik's big thing was a don't say USA, don't say USA. Well, the guy's name was Fred Lampson, and he recently died a couple years ago at the age of like 95. And it just goes to show that good people die young and pricks last forever. Um, but anyway, so Fred Lampson is there that night, and the Sheik is on the card. So Christine Jarrett comes up to me and says, now you make sure, you know about, don't let the boys get the microphone, but the Sheik's going to try. I said, don't worry, I'll tell him, I'll tell him, I'll have this, don't let go of that. So now Christine Jarrett, who I would have, jumped in front of a bus for us, told me, don't let go of this microphone. Here comes the Sheik. It's time for his match with whoever he's working with. I can't remember. It was Lawler or whatever. And here he comes down the aisle, and as he's coming toward me, he's coming right toward me. I'm sitting in a chair. I got this microphone. I'm going, the commissioner, the commissioner, it, like this, and he grabs my arm, and he says, give me the mic. I said, no, the commissioner, the commissioner. No, give me the microphone. And the commissioner, the and finally, he pulls my arm up, and the microphone's right in front of his mouth. He says, "Ah, oh, fuck the commissioner!" And right when I turn it, here comes Fred Lampson with his fucking ties up on the other side of his neck, and his—we called him Mister Fudd because he li- resembled Elmer Fudd. His big bald head's getting red patches on it, and he's—and I'm like, he's got me hooked. I can't fucking write it. I'm pulling the cord out of the thing. So then he goes back, and he just chews Christine Jarrett. Ah, oh boy. Ah, oh, Sheiky baby. Sheiky baby. You know, if Iron Sheik was on Tough Enough, like if he was one of the hosts or one of the judges, like, oh God. that would have been must-see oh TV. If Sheiky was a guest host, or guest uh, judge, he will have into ZZ how many times this season, you think? <sighs> I don't know, but he at least would have given us some good Hulk Hogan rants. True, true. That jabroni Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. I hope I, you know, I imagine what he would have said about the Miz. <laughs> I think he could probably substitute uh, Brian Blair for the Miz, and that's probably what Cheek would have gone off on saying. In that jabroni Mike Mizanian. 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 Yeah, you're you're just gonna stop there, Brian. Okay. Okay. Tough enough. Tough enough season finale. Thank 
God, it's over. I was going to say, were you thinking of Jesus when the clock struck, what, 10 p.m. on Tuesday? Well, what was that? I said, were you thinking of Jesus when the clock struck 10 on Tuesday evening? Well, it was over at 9, but no, I wasn't. So, this show featured the worst WWE live match since Jackie Gaeta and Trish Stratus. That's saying something. And sadly, you know, sadly or happily, the matches got better from there. But I was I was really hoping, like, that was just, like, the start of something horrible. But, <sighs> well, let's go through this. So why did I bother watching every single episode when I hated almost every single episode? Probably just because I had to watch the train wreck. And if you look at the ratings, I was one of the few people who uh, kept viewing the train wreck because the finals were the lowest rated episode of the season. Not surprised. No. Uh, Last week... They did very little last week stuff, thankfully, but it was still enough that they were running out of time desperately at the end. But last week, they get back to the barracks and got all happy and celebratory for being the final four, um, but ZZ was unusually quiet. Amanda thought now was the best time to announce to the world that Sarah's a whore and she sleeps around with all the boys. Um, I think that came back to bite her in the ass, but still. Um... We go to the training center and Jericho's in there literally just to tell them that they'll be having a match on live TV. So he brought some... He didn't even bring wrestlers from NXT. He brought stagehands from NXT to help them get ready. They had a meeting with the creative people. They had a meeting with people in costuming. And they were told they each had to cut a promo live. And, you know, what was happening too was the guy who has... All the WWE themes on his computer. Like, he played some. And just the look on everyone's faces. WWE has a lot of crappy themes in their library. If you think if you think the themes that they play are bad, like, you should hear the ones they don't use. Uh, so Booker, Lita, and Billy Gunn told the boys that they'd be wrestling Cesaro. And I don't know what the hell the girls did to deserve this punishment, but they had to wrestle Alicia Fox. Who did they piss off that besides Alicia Fox was be the one that, you know... God. that, That... And then we got our first match. And if anything lost the contest for Amanda... It was this first match, especially after she was calling Sarah a whore. Alicia Fox versus Amanda. Um, Amanda tried kissing up to the fans in her promo before the match, but she got thrown when someone shouted at her. Uh, She also announced that she's inviting everyone except for The Miz to our victory party, which is wacky since Miz saved her not once but twice during the season. This match is one that you need to get a DVD of. Just this match. Uh, They messed up a catfight spot to a horrible degree to the point that Amanda's boob popped out of her top. 
So the screen had to go black for a second or two. She kept almost falling on top of her head. Alicia then nearly took her head off with a fucking clothesline. I don't know who taught Alicia how to throw a clothesline, but damn. Like, Bradshaw would have been impressed with how stiff that was. What? Probably Bradshaw. Yeah. Probably was Bradshaw. Yeah. Alicia then kicked out of Amanda's finish and won with a scissors kick. Miz and Miz and Paige all nicely talked about how shitty the match was, while Daniel flat out told her it sucked. Well, of course. And that's when I let the world know they had to tune into Tough Enough right now because Alicia Fox was going to wrestle Sarah Lee. And unfortunately, the match wasn't horrible. The match was actually idiot-proofed, and... But the worst part of it was when Sarah tried to take a front bump, you know, there's a reason why Ric Flair is able to do all these front bumps because he doesn't have a large set of boobs to, you know, crash on the mat. Um, but other other than the front bump, it was totally acceptable. She was kind of slow when she went into her armbar attempt, but that was fine. And Alicia, of course, beat her as well. And, of course, all three judges told her she had a very good match, but told her she needed a better entrance. And then they announced, then they went to the voting, so you voted for all the girls, then they announced the winner of the quarter of a million dollar WWE contract is going to be announced at the end of the show. And we immediately went into Cesaro versus ZZ. ZZ wore a giant gator costume to the ring, and... Uh, he was just taking his time to get to the ring, and everyone basically told him to get this fucking ass in the ring because, you know, they're running out of time. Uh, Z- yeah, ZZ cut a hell of a promo. He went so long that they were playing Cesaro's music over his promo because <laughs> he just wouldn't shut up. Um, this match was pretty bad, too. Not nearly as bad as the girls' match because Cesaro held it together. Uh, but ZZ kept doing drop downs, um, and for some reason he just kept dropping down in front of Cesaro. Um, but fucking Cesaro, you've seen ZZ. Like, he's a hefty fella. Oh, yeah. And Cesaro deadlifted him up off the ground into a gut wrench suplex. Um, ZZ was cussing, so the thing kept having to be muted. Um, and ZZ actually didn't do a whole hell of a lot, actually. He did some stuff, but eventually he tapped out to the crossface. Mm. Go figure. Miz told him he was fat. Oh, yeah. Tell us something we did not know, Miz. Well, then we got Cesaro versus Josh. Josh looks like what you'd expect Vince McMahon to love. And this was the guy Vince wanted to win, and... He looks like somebody in WWE. He just has the personality of a wet napkin. Uh, this match, yeah, this match was better, but not worlds better. And Cesaro won with a neutralizer. Uh, the judges talked about how much they hated his tights. He had these teeny tiny gray tights on. He looked like Bastion Booger. So they went to the voting, and they came back, and they brought Triple H out. And because, 
Like, there was literally less than two minutes left in the show at this point until the top of the hour. So, like, Triple H didn't even, couldn't even dilly-dally around. And immediately, we found out Sarah won with 64% of the vote. And surprisingly, Josh won. Not so much it was surprising that Josh won. It's that he won with 70% of the vote. Like, it was... And it's like, okay, congratulations, you won, and then fade to black. It's over. Mm. Thank God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. By God. Thank you. Todd is God. Todd is God. Oh, wait, wrong show. (laughs) Yeah, wrong show. So, ten episodes of Tough Enough. I watched nine of them. The one that I didn't watch, Mod got eliminated. And honestly... Like I can't believe Mata lost. Like he he should have been there at the end, to be honest, with uh, Zizi, not Josh. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what. Here are the positives with Tough Enough. When I watch Survivor, it usually takes like three or four episodes for me to figure out who everybody is because they do such a poor job letting you know, and so many people yeah, just yeah. stand off into the background. Hell, sometimes. I'm going seven or eight episodes before knowing who everyone is. Tough enough, I figure out everyone's name before by the second week. And there was... I'll tell you what, I could have lived without all the fucking drama. Like, that's what killed the show for me. Was, you know, they, ha- they hired the producers of the real world and, you know, to give the show some drama... But it was just ridiculous. And I think they realized it was ridiculous because, you know, it got toned down towards the end. And, you know, at at least they uh, did some wrestling training. And I think that's why the last few episodes were better for the most part. Because they actually did some wrestling training instead of just 60 minutes of drama-fueled bullshit. Um, Tough enough... Like, I can't imagine USA Network bringing this show back. It was doing less than a million viewers on primetime television. There's yeah. no there's no way in hell they bring this back. Okay. Maybe, like with the Diva Search, WWE will put it on the network eventually and do another season there. I can't imagine why, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, but, whatever. So, here's my question for you, Brian. Josh and Sarah both want a a one-year contract for a quarter of a million dollars. Do you ever see either of them on Raw ever again in a match? Maybe Josh. Well. Maybe. Going back the last few years, uh, Andy Levine... He took a stunner on live television and got heat from Vince McMahon because instead of laying on the ground dead on live television, he rolled out of the ring so the show could go on. Uh, So he got heat, and then we never saw him again, and was fired a year later. Daniel Pewter, he uh, got to compete in the Royal Rumble where Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and Bob Hawley all stiffed the fucking hell out of him before eliminating him. And then you never saw Daniel Pewter again before he got fired 
uh, one year into his four-year million-dollar contract. Going back before that, Tough Enough 3, the winners were Johnny Nitro, John Morrison, and Matt Capitelli. Now, I'm going to say, yeah, Matt Capitelli was never again seen on Raw. Like, they did one match with Johnny versus Matt, like, right after Tough Enough, and Dreamer came running down, hit them both with kendo sticks. Uh, Now, Matt Capitelli was supposed to be called up to the main roster, like, several times, uh, but he kept getting injuries, and eventually, uh, I think he had cancer, either cancer or a tumor. Yeah, brain cancer. Yeah. Brain cancer. Yeah. And so, there's an asterisk on him, but he's he's part, you know, for, of the tough enough winners that you've never seen again. So that's why people don't give a crap about tough enough. Like, look at the last tough enough, the one that Andy Levine won. Who's the Who's the only person from that cast? That you ever saw again on TV? Uh, was it one that uh, Funk Yeah, Ariani. She was the first person yeah. eliminated, and she's the famous person who said to Steve Austin that her favorite match of all time was Molina and Alicia Fox. God bless her soul. <laughs> so that's tough enough, and in one year we'll find out. If either Sarah or Andy still have a job, because, you know, it's not like next year they're going to re-sign him for another quarter of a million. Next year, if they re-sign him, it's going to be for the developmental pay rate, which is like $26,000. Unless unless you're like Samoa Joe or, you know, a big name independent. Yeah. So, and that's part of the reason why Pewter left, because, you know... They told him flat out they were not going to renew his contract at another quarter million because he was supposed to get a million dollars. Is the million dollar tough enough? But you were only guaranteed one year and a quarter of a million dollars. And so after a year, they told him they weren't going to give him another quarter million and offered to keep him in Louisville for five hundred dollars a week. And he turned it down. And that was that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Brian, I've talked for a while. You've talked a little bit. So, you know what? What? You know what it's time for, Brian. Brian, it's time for my personal favorite uh, part of our podcast, my new favorite. It's time for Brian's opinion, where Brian is going to sit here, and he's going to think of something about wrestling, preferably something that's happened in the past seven days, and Brian, there's a lot of stuff you could have an opinion about in the past seven days of wrestling. So Brian, 
What is your opinion this week? Celebrities and wrestling matches. Okay, what's your thoughts on it? Now, this past weekend, SummerSlam, you saw, what's his face, team with Neville stick on King Barrett and Cody in Osbury Spartans. What's his name? That He's a great guy. What's his name? It, was it Josh Amell or something Stephen like that? Stephen Amell. Huh? Stephen Amell. Stephen Amell, thank you very much. Okay. Now, what celebrity that's wrestled in the match has actually had, has actually lost the match? Kevin Green. Okay, WWE error. Um... I don't know. I was going to say Jeremy Piven, but he didn't wrestle. Um, yeah. I don't know. Hell, what's his face? Britney Spears is it. Kevin Federline won a WWE match against John Cena. Kevin Federline yeah. pinned the WWE champion. Yes, he pinned the WWE champion. Yes, that Kevin Federline. Now, if you were in Vegas, Obviously, a betting man would say, hey, let's put money on a celebrity. But knowing the Whitner dumb luck, because we both have very dumb luck, that'd be the match that the celebrity would lose, and we'd put like a million dollars on to win, and we would lose it all. So, celebrities and wrestling matches are stupid. They shouldn't even be allowed in a match itself. The only impressive one off was Maria Minow. I'll give her credit. She did a hell of a job at, what was it, WrestleMania or SummerSlam last year? She competed at WrestleMania 28, but she's done yeah. a few, she did a few matches, actually. Yeah, yeah. She, she did a hell of a job at wrestling. She's got a hell of an ass, too. And a hell of, yeah, a hell of an ass, too, yeah. And I, I'm counting Mr. T in the celebrity, but he's not, I mean, he's a celebrity, I guess, but yeah, whatever. So yeah, that that is my opinion of the week. Celebrities should not belong in a wrestling ring, and if they are, and you like to bet on wrestling matches, that would be the money to bet on with the celebrity winning. That is my opinion. Thank you, and good night. For the record, that's probably better than most of the other times we've tried to do this segment. Well, you didn't mention Sting, Brian. How about Sting? He's going to be wrestling for the world title at Night of Champions. Yeah. So, so who Seth Rollins defending the U.S. title again? John Cena. To set, up, to set him up losing the WWE title with Sting. John Cena. Yeah, so he's going to beat John Cena and then lose it to Sting. Honestly, I can't picture him pinning Cena, and I can't picture Cena winning it from him. Be, yeah. Like, I don't know. It seems kind of pointless for Cena to lose the belt just to win it right back. But it is yeah. WWE, so, you know. And, and I will now put my name into the uh, uh, forum, uh, what's some call it, event for this quarter. Thank you very much. That's not until how game. That's not until Hell in a Cell. Yeah, well, just remind me. You know how bad my memory is. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. Yes. And, and also also to uh, let our dear friends know that today was a very monumental day in the Whitner household as 
Noah started kindergarten. Very sad to see him go, but I held it up strong. You promised yourself you wouldn't cry. Yep, and uh, other than Nicole, she cried her eyes out. Oh, I bet you cried too. No, it was just mass confusion at the end of the day because no one told the teacher that Noah's getting picked up from school and he sent them on the bus. Mm-hmm. So besides that mass confusion, that was the only that was the only hiccup in the day. The only hiccup. Yep, yep. So where do you get dropped off at? Uh, he gets dropped off, you know, going down the hospital road to make the right to go to our house. Yeah. Yeah, he gets dropped off right at the corner. Oh, Jesus. Meet the bus at the corner. Jesus Christ, please tell me somebody was down there to pick him up. Yeah, I called, I called Nicole right away. Thankfully, the bus didn't leave yet, and I was able to catch the bus and grab Noah off of it. So, yeah. Okay. I'm like, for the love of Mike, that, you know. Yeah. Alrighty. So, we've reached the end. Yeah. Our events are here on Block Talk Radio. So, now uh, now we've come to the end of an era, and I want to stop talking to Brian for a second, and I want to talk to you, the listener, for a minute. You may find this hard to believe, but this is probably my favorite part of the week. And I believe that at some point, Brian and I have entertained you guys out there, and when you called in... You usually entertained us, even if it was yeah. Frank using any of a dozen aliases. Yes. Every Wednesday night at 10, you would let us come into your house here on Blog Talk Radio, and we'd talk about wrestling together. And doing this show has put me in a better mood when I've been in a shitty mood. It's put Brian in a better mood when he's been in a shitty mood. And I'd like to assume... That somewhere out there, we've helped you out if you were in a bad place and needed to escape the real world for an hour a week. Now, Brian and I aren't going away. We're just moving. And we want yeah. we, and we want you people out there to tag along and be that weird friend who sleeps in our basement. And thank you for your loyalty. Thank you for listening. And thank you for sticking around through the best and the worst. Yeah. Anything else you want to say, Brian? No, you took everything I was going to say. That food you guys said everything I was going to say. <laughs> it was Anoki who said who did that, Brian. Yeah, uh, same agent. What, what? Oh my god! <laughs> Why are you so racist? <laughs> I'm not. I figured I'd throw one, one more unmeaningful racist comment on Blog Talk Radio. I was about to end the show and then you did that. Uh, you can still end it. Go ahead. What is wrong with you? Next week, we're on TalkShoe.com. T-A-L-K-S-H-O-E dot com. Just search for Wrestling Outsiders we're the only one with that name. And we'll see you next week for Bash of the Beach 2000, complete with Hulk Hogan's final night ever in WCW, as he later sued Vince Russo for defamation of character based on that show. Mm. And until, until then, thank you for listening. <laughs>